Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its soundness initiative. This episode is also sponsored by the POCUA, a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement, as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. Always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals, and you deserve better. I am Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and I'm excited today because, yes, we have another great guest, and I never say we have a terrible guest, uh, but this guy <laughs> is going to... one. Yeah, you'll be that one, you know, you know, like we talked about before press and record, the one that, you know, you just don't air. Uh, <laughs> but but by by twisted that I say that a very, very in a very fun way. Uh, guest today is a gentleman by the name of Darren Birch. Uh, he's had a 30 year law enforcement career. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit, but he's also a fellow author and a fellow podcaster, and we need that today. We're gonna, we want to hear some great stories, uh, hear about podcasting, and of course, uh, hear about what he's done in law enforcement that's going to benefit our audience. Uh, but Darren, welcome to the show, man. Uh, honor's all mine. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, my pleasure. My pl- Always fun to have, number one, uh, a law enforcement professional, uh, number two, a fellow author, because only you understand the pain of another author, <laughs> and, and a fellow podcaster, because we, we certainly can have some fun here. Oh, thank you again. Thank you so much. And you're right on all counts. The hardest thing about the book was the crayon to print conversion process. <laughs> yeah, you know, you find that you need a few more pages on that. But, you know, at least at least with crayon you don't lose a whole chapter in the cloud like I did, but we'll talk about that maybe Ouch. later. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, Ouch. exactly. <laughs> yeah, talk, talk about twisted, but true. Uh, but before we even get into that book, you know, you had a 30 year law enforcement career, mostly uh, with the Phoenix police department. If I remember that correctly, Correct. um, check your facts, Ken, it's right here in the bio Phoenix police department, <laughs> 29 years. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you retired and you wrote a book, you started a podcast. Uh, I believe you're also on a radio show, if I remember that right. Uh, are you busier now in retirement than when you were working as a police officer? <laughs> I really am. And I was busy. You know, I worked sex crimes and homicide. I was always getting called out, worked three, four days straight, you know, depending on the case. Uh, so, I, you know, I was working my butt off, you know, uh, and not trying to had my last three for um, <laughs> retirement purposes. You know, just yeah. I was forced there, uh, based and again child crimes and and rapes and so you know the worst of the worst. And so I was very busy. Now I'm busier, but I'm smiling more. Yeah, there, it's it's just a great gig. Uh, reinventing yourself in retirement, you're still doing a lot of things to help the community. Like I'm I'm involved in like five or six different nonprofits where I'm in the board of directors. Uh, for different purposes, so we don't, you know, clash, sure. uh, you know, writing the book. Like you said, I had a radio show, old school AM, FM type show uh, in the Valley. It's a big, you know, stu- station in the Valley here in uh, Phoenix. And then with the podcast. And, but the best gig of all is now on Grandpa. And uh, yeah. I'm Popo. I'm Popo <laughs> to him. So <laughs> I love that. Best gig there is. 
Well, see, now you actually could enjoy being called Popo instead of somebody yelling, hey, it's the Popo. <laughs> exactly right. I, yeah, I, I love the tongue-in-cheek stuff, which is a lot goes in the book with that. Uh, you know, cops, we all have dark, demented sense of humors. Yeah. Uh, you know, that gallow humor to keep things light when you really are in cop mode and have to, you know, keep calm when the uh, um, mayhem is all around you. So, uh, yeah, so, but having that in mind, the, uh, uh, I may be busier, but it's as rewarding, because uh, again, I still feel like I'm helping, like the, the book I wrote, uh, the first one, 100% of proceeds went to a Crime Stoppers program here in Valley called Silent Witness, so I was able to assist on that end, uh, so it's just been a really fun ride. Yeah. Yeah, that that is awesome. And if I was, uh, if I came across it correctly, I believe your show Five O Info is tied to that Silent Witness, is it not? Hundred yeah, uh, percent. The show is in the valley, so at first it started off as a, a tip, you know, solicitation mechanism. You know, mm-hmm. trying to, but it was the demographic was senior citizens. We weren't getting a lot of tips. So it became more of a... <laughs> well, you uh, got tips just like somebody <laughs> stole my garbage can. And no, nobody will move these fronds. That the are kids are on the lawn. Get the kids you know? off the lawn. Yeah, yeah all, my, so... all my friends in Chicago won't understand the frond thing for not having palm trees, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, so we, I kind of tweaked it when I was the Crime Stopper Sergeant, uh, which was the end cap of my career, uh, like you said, 30 years the last six, the seven was as a Crime Stoppers um, sergeant, which was pretty much the um, director of start of the uh, Silent Witness pr- program. And it was more or less turned into a uh, information mechanism to kind of educate about different scams, especially with the elderly, when you talk about, you know, with the, um, the phone scams, the internet scams and all that, you know, you know how they are. If there's a tragedy, the scam artists come out of the woodwork, you know, whether it's the, the weather, um, you know, kids, what have you, they come out. So it was more of an educational thing. Um, I enjoyed it, loved it. Uh, unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, I ended up signing a contract with a, a TV production company and I had to forego. So the, um, the current silent witness sergeant, current crime stopper sergeant took over perfectly and uh, he's doing, helming that show. And now I just have the podcast, which is fun. Yeah, yeah. Now he gets to listen to all the elderly scams. And... <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's, it, it amazes me how stupid some of these scammers are that call. Uh, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, even the smartest of us, you know. But uh, I had to good news. Uh, just yesterday, I lost my social security number. I got the phone call. Uh, apparently, I'm in an investigation. So I'm, my social security number was suspended. I've mm. never known that to happen. So, uh, so yeah. Cool. It's, Does that it's, mean it's, I don't have to pay taxes anymore? That, I'm, I'm that hoping. Actually, I'm hoping. That yeah. work out. Yeah. I'll work with you. I'll work with you. <laughs> Keep the investigation going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it always it – always, it always makes me laugh, and you probably have even seen this. There's a YouTube video out there, I think, uh, scammers from Africa or someplace called a, uh, I think it was a uh, police chief. or Saw that. Hilarious. Yeah, she did police, such a great yeah, job. Yeah, it was, yeah. So someplace in a small town, and it <laughs> said, well, what's the arrest number? You know, I can look it up right now. <laughs> 
Anyhow. Work with me. Stay on the phone. Work with me. <laughs> Anyhow, this is the twisted comedy portion of our show where we went completely off the rails. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but let's stay with Twisted because I want to hear more about Twisted But True. Um, those folks that are listening to the audio version of this episode, go to YouTube and find the video version because Darren has a cool backdrop um, with, uh, with his book cover. I believe in being back. subtle. I believe yeah. in being subtle. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, there's, you know, not only is there the backdrop, there's the book on one side, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, you know, you know nothing about branding. I, I can tell that right now. So, so it was, it was published in October of 2017. Uh, if I understood it right, you even kind of coincided that with the Halloween holiday. Uh, which being the true crime director for uh, podcast magazine, I think is very cool, by the way. Um, and I, I just love the way that, that you introed it. But how long did it take you to, to write it? And what was the motivation? Was this something you were riding around in 2002 catching bad guys? And you said, you know, I need to write a book. Or did you retire <laughs> and say, you know, I need something to do. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You know, when you join Academy, you always have some salt, uh, you know, senior officer tell you, hey, Rook, you know, write these things down. You know, you're going to forget them, blah, blah, blah. And, and I was like any other cop. I didn't write anything down. And uh, at the end cap of my career, I'm now the, uh, again, the, the Crime Stopper Sergeant. So I'm doing radio, TV, and so forth. And I had this uh, great gig on a local rock and roll morning show. I mean, it was great, good tip, you know, um, sources, you know, a lot of uh, headbangers, you know, that mm. had some intel and so forth. But the best part of the show, after I did my um, crime of the week, you know, soliciting tips and so forth, was stupid suspect stories. Now, at the, this time it was 2008. I didn't trust the internet, or maybe I didn't know the internet, probably mm -hmm. better said. So I didn't know how to vent, or excuse me, vet some of these um, stupid suspect stories. You yeah. know? <laughs> so I didn't want to pass along bullshit you know yeah we're so just gonna I, roll with it and we'll, yeah we'll yeah hope it's true maybe go, it's yeah. not it sounds funny <laughs> so i was telling stories that i had encountered because we all have you know you, you can't go a career whether you're in a small city or a big one like like phoenix which is like six largest or so yeah. uh, you're gonna see stuff and it's crazy stuff it's insane stuff that you can't you know it's not stuff you see on tv yeah and so uh i would tell these these stories i call them twisted but true tales and they became so popular that one, and we do it Tuesday mornings. And one more, one evening on a Monday night, I'm taking my daughter shopping or something for school or something. I'm listening to that rock and roll station. It's what I listen to anyways. And there's a commercial, a tease for tomorrow's morning show. And it says, join us for Silent Witness Sergeant Darren Burst and Twisted True Tales and Gene Simmons with Kiss. I actually beat Gene Simmons on the, on the tease. Uh, it was like, Wow. Uh, so it's huge following. And the reason I'd say that is that one day I was coming out of the studio and this guy walks up and says, oh my God, you're, you know, that, that guy on the radio show, you know, Sergeant Birch. And I love your twisted tales. You need to write a book. And it got me thinking. And again, I joke about the crayon, you know, process to print. I'm not a writer. You know, I'm an author. I'm no writer. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I thought it had some marriage because I had these Every time we get together, you know how cops do, we get together, we talk stories, war stories. I just found mine were, you know, their story, plus you add a dead body in the mix. You know, that was mine. You know, I had this, yeah. this black cloud that was a kind of shit magnet. We know, you know, those, they're, 
not because I was a great cop, just shit fell on me. And, uh, <laughs> what, and, what is today going to bring? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So uh, I thought as a silent witness sergeant, I had um, a lot of um, uh, investigative allies, uh, having worked everything from burglary to homicide. Um, I, if there's a tombstone for your career, mine would be sex crimes. I, I worked sex crimes for about 10 years. So I had a lot of friends in the, in the um, investigative field all, in all facets and all cities uh, across the state. So when I came to become the silent witness sergeant, I, I was able to tap into those. And we, the team and I, were able to increase the arrest by 50%. Well, the problem with that is it's a crime stoppers program. You're, you're, you're paying for these tips. So uh, it's an unusual business model. The more successful you are, the more you're paying out. <laughs> and we paid out 50% more in tips. And after six years, kind of broke the bank. Yeah. And so I felt guilty. I mean, in a weird way. And so when this guy said this about the book, I thought, perfect fundraising mechanism. I can actually maybe give back. And so it, it beyond my wildest dreams, when the book came out, three years, it took, you know, finally answering your question. <laughs> three years. That's okay. That's okay. We Long got Long story Go short. <laughs> so uh, after three years of writing it, I, I put it out and it just blew up on, on um, social media with Amazon and becoming a best selling book for like, like a month. Uh, top 1%. It was, I mean, it was humbling how well it did and how many people loved it. And that was based on social media, you know, completely the benefit of that. And understanding that animal, having been the Crime Stopper Sergeant using social media yeah. to help solicit tips and so forth. And so uh, we've been up to date, almost $10,000, which isn't a lot of money, obviously, uh, but books don't make a lot of money, you know? Correct. Uh, as, as, a fellow, yeah. as a fellow author, I can concur. You get that. <laughs> my, my mom bought a copy, you know, my wife bought a copy, and then a couple other people that I don't know. But, so, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, making $10,000 is pretty significant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was so happy and, and, again, truly humbled. I mean, people always say that, you know, but I was really, I was truly humbled how many people loved the book and how well it did, um, you know, over 100 five-star reviews on Amazon to date, uh, won a couple of awards. Just real lucky, real lucky that it did real well. And these were, the out, out of when I was doing that uh, Rock and Roll Morning Show, I would do it each week, did it for several years. So I have like 200 stories and I would write them down because with radio, as you know, it's, you know, you have, it's all about time. You know, not so much with the podcast, but old school AM, FM radio, it's, you have a time window and that's it. You got to be succinct and fast. So I broke it down in a um, kind of an outline, you know, statement, joke, statement, joke, statement, joke. So when it was time to write the book, it really kind of wrote itself in sense of, it was just an old cop, telling a story. And that's really what the book is. It's perfect for the bathroom. You can read a couple of chapters while you're going number two. Uh, I don't <laughs> recommend doing it number one. Uh, it could be a messy uh, because some of them you will laugh out loud. Yeah, you know, you could always try it, but you know, you want to stand. Yeah, you, a little newsstand. You want to read the whole chapter, man. You know, so you know, you, you, yeah. I don't know. I don't know anybody that has to take a piss for that long. But either, either that, or <laughs> you know, you have, I will say this: they're short chapter. stories. You may be able to do it with a with a piss break. You might be able to do it. Most of them are very short, fast, fun. Uh, there's a couple compelling. 
it, it, it starts off on a, a tragic note, why I became a cop. It was an yeah. unusually twisted story, uh, why I became a cop. And then it ends on a very tragic, personally devastating loss. Uh, so it ends on a sad note, which is really why I wrote the second one. Three years later, you know, the book's been out three years, and um, so many p friends were saying, you know, we know need know more about that last chapter. So I, I, and I had 200 of these stories, and I was saving, I shouldn't say I was saving, I was avoiding the, the worst of the worst. I was, you know, the first book is almost family friendly. It's almost family friendly. And uh, the second book, not so much. It's definitely the, um, you know, you if you're over 18, it's a good book for you, that kind of advisement. There's a warning in the front that the publisher put on uh, because, uh, again, there's a lot of mayhem in these stories. And each chapter is a story. Each chapter ends with a twist. Sometimes the twist is truly, uh, you know, like a Paul Harvey, for those that are old as I am, you know, uh, you know now you know the rest of the story, you know, yeah. a true twist. Uh, and the other is sometimes just, a, you know, what were you thinking, Darren? Advisement. You know, don't do this at home, kids. That sort of thing. Because yeah. there's as many stupid suspect stories as there is dumb Darren dilemmas. I mean, the first <laughs> book is just one dumb thing I did after another, uh, and so I like that. It's almost like of, two books. Uh, yeah, it really is. It was a tale of two Darrens. You know, one dumb and one smart. Uh, the second book, which is now out, just came out uh, literally a week now, so you won't see a lot of reviews or anything like that, but uh, I think it's a better book. As you know, when you write the first one, you learn a lot. Uh, you know, I spent, I don't know how long I spent on the first, on the first book, I spent days, if not months, on just the first paragraph. And then when you're all done with the book, you go back and say, well, that has nothing to do with, you know, tying things together. So, it, so I learned a lot of things with the second book. It, it was a lot faster writing. Um, and I think it's good. In fact, it's already been um, picked up by ID Channel. Uh, with, you remember the guy, Joe Kenda, uh, the homicide hunter with um, yeah, Colorado yeah. Springs? Having worked homicide his you know you're lucky if you get a 40 percent clearance rate this guy had like a 99 percent clearance rate this yeah. guy was kick butt good <laughs> and uh so he hosts the show it's called american detectives and so far it's slated to be the season finale is one of the chapters from the second book called that one case because every detective you always have that one case whether it got away from you yeah. or whether you're just so glad you solved it or something in between we all have that one case and this was my one case. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So again, um, long story short, it took three years. <laughs> yeah. Now a word from our sponsor, the Police Officers Credit Union Association. The POCUA can suggest a credit union that serves public safety professionals in practically every state in the country. One state we definitely have covered is Delaware. The Delaware State Police Federal Credit Union was founded in 1960. The idea was to create a financial institution whose purpose was and is to protect and help Delaware's most precious resource, their troopers, lead financially successful lives. In the years since, they have grown and developed into an organization that honors all of those that serve and protect. They are the credit union of choice for all employees of federal, state, county, and municipal agencies or departments engaged in the law enforcement community on the Delmarva Peninsula. For more information about Delaware State Police Federal Credit Union, go to dspfcu.com or call 800-288-1080.
To find an institution to serve you in any of the other 49 states, go to policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals, and you deserve better. But, you know, I and I understand you know, the gallows humor. Um, I, I really do. You know, whether it's a police officer, firefighter, uh, other public safety professional, uh, it, it's almost like a defense mechanism. It, 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 it it's not even almost. It's yeah. spot on. It is yeah. a defense mechanism, no doubt about it. And and I could I could see that especially with sex crimes. You know, I think of um, one of the first podcasts I had the pleasure to cover for Podcast Magazine was Small Town Dicks. Uh, Yardley Smith, who also does the voice of Lisa Simpson on The Simpsons, who's actually, by the way, a really, really nice lady, um, has two police officers who are brothers on that show. And one of them is one of them, his his uh, expertise is sex crimes. And uh, so basically what he has to do, and you might identify with this, uh, what he has to do is basically act like a 15-year-old girl on Facebook, even though, you know, he's a you know, grown man with kids and everything else and, and talk about, you know, okay, what do you want to do with me and all that. And, and, you know, he makes fun of this. And I understand it, especially because a lot of these suspects are just really, really stupid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. Just, yeah. they just don't get that, you know, it's like, well, can we just look at your Facebook page and then you'll be okay. Well, no, I don't want to do that. But I think that, you know, kind of like I heard with that podcast, that humor helps you to deal with that because this is, you know, my words, some real sick stuff. And you had to deal with that. Does does that help you? And does that kind of explain that gallows humor a little bit? Uh, It's first of all, spot on in terms of needing that, that safety net mechanism. It helps you decompress it helps you live in the moment when you go i call cop mode when you have to you know put on the big boy pants and you go into cop mode and have to deal with something horrible uh i never worked internet crimes against children which is what your your uh, your story is relaying yeah. to um but it's interesting because they are i dealt with them hands-on you know where you know they're doing the computer they can have that anonymity but i would still do the same thing in a sense i would interview some pedophile and talk about, no, I get it, sir. I get it. You know, she was 13. She had the prettiest legs in the world. Yeah. So tell me why, you know, and then we go into it. Uh, you kind of um, minimize the, the morality aspect, never the crime aspect, never the elements of the crime. But, you, but what was interesting about them, go on a tangent here a little bit about sex crime, because it was Please. my passion as well. It's, again, that's where, um, if, again, if you had a tombstone for your career, mine would be sex crimes detective. It really would yeah. be above homicide and everything else. They have such a, a – there's no word to describe it in the English language. It's this drive to offend, to um, trespass sexually, um, whether it be power, controlling, what have you. They're driven. It's a sexual paraphilic drive that's like nothing we can relate to yeah and i've had a uh predator who who um sexually assaulted his 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 son and i said i can't you know and he, this guy was talking to me he was a uh, honeywell professional an engineer intelligent man hell a lot smarter than i'll ever be 
-hmm. And I said, I can't wrap my head around why you would do that as you relate because he turned himself in. He knew how horrible it was. He turned himself in. I said, why would you do that? He said, it consumes my every waking second. And so to your point about how can they be so stupid on the internet, it's that drive that makes them stupid. They're so wanting it that they kind of throw uh, caution to the wind and we can catch them with a big old net many times uh, based on the internet crimes against children. Now I've assisted those when it becomes a, a victim, we find the victim, then I go and interview the victim with my expertise mm-hmm. uh, and so forth. And um, uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's that gallows humor um, is absolutely a must when you're working those type of cases. You, you, you got to deflect that pain that you're feeling. And to that end, when I wrote the book, and again, the book is 90% funny. I mean, or maybe 83.5, but it's funny, you know, it's and mostly it, funny. Now, now you're going back to your radio days on 83.5 <laughs> FM, <yeah>. And yet <laughs> at the end of when I wrote the book, I, I went through a, a, a sad moment. You know, I don't want to call it PTSD because it wasn't. Yeah. Um, I was able to, I was very fortunate in my career that I had outlets. I was able to talk and so forth. Uh, and again, I hate even calling it PTSD. It's PTSI. It's an injury based on your what happening on duty uh, post. But I had a post incident in that sense where I'm writing these funny stories, but then all of a sudden all these other stories are coming. I no longer have my my um, um, cop hat on. You know, I'm not in cop mode. I'm in retirement mode. I'm in writing a funny story mode. And yeah. bam, these some of these stories kind of hit you. Um, in the book, the one that I really hit home on in the first book is a, um, I've been shot at three times on, on the on department. Uh, one, only one, was I able to return fire. The other two, I was in a situation where um, there was either friendlies or I didn't have a clean backdrop. Yeah. And on the, the one where I did have a shootout at OK Corral, I really took painstaking effort to put the reader in my, uh, but that one chapter in the middle called um, the shootout, you know, brilliantly enough. What a brilliant title! Yeah, you I was gonna clever. Yeah, <laughs> very cryptic. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I wrote that with the idea of keeping the reader who's never been in a shootout, hopefully, uh, living it step by step, minute by minute, second by second with a twist at the end. Because so many times, and every cop will, will can attest to this. Someone will say, how come those cops shot that many times? And it's like, well, you have eight cops at different perspectives. No one knows whether or not everyone else can shoot. Like in my other two scenarios being shot at, I couldn't shoot. Uh, I would have potentially hurt someone else, put someone else in harm's way. I had to, you know, just take cover uh, based on the the situation and, and rely on another officer to be able to take the shot. So, you know, this, the, it ends with a twist. Every chapter ends with a twist. And this one ends with a, you don't see it coming twist in the shootout. And uh, which is a lot of shootouts. You don't, you have no idea what's going on yeah. to your left and right. You have this tunnel vision effect uh, to save your life. You go in this filter mode, uh, things slow down, but out here, you don't see diddly. Yeah. Uh, so again, unless you're a, a SWAT stud, uh, and you've been shooting after shooting, then it's just another day at the office. You know, granted, me, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it always amazes me in the um, unfortunate 
anti-law enforcement sectors that we do have and yeah in our country at times you know there there are some incidents where i'm kind of like yeah you know cop could have thought a little bit differently there but there sure. are ma- there are many that you know i see and and you you've got protests people want to write their feelings on a cardboard box and then staple a stick to it and drive it someplace and talk about how upset they are but uh, you know you see even on video is all right, this police officer has about a second and a half at best to react, ascertain, and figure out the best course of action. When was the yeah. last time you only had a second and a half to make a, a very serious critical decision on something? And then on top of that, they have that Hollywood impression of what law and order is. And, and not to get political or anything, but sure. uh, the uh, president-elect made a comment about, you know, cops shoot, shouldn't shoot to kill. And it's like, there's not a police department in this nation that sh- teaches shoot to kill. <laughs> and not one is yeah. shoot to stop. And just a s- mistake. And granted, you know, he probably didn't mean anything by it. I'll, I'll give him that benefit. But and again, not to get political, I'm going to segue really quick. <laughs> it's easy to get political in these environments. Yeah. But uh, when you hear people talking about a, a shooting with a, a guy with a knife, they don't understand that a knife is a repetitive weapon. It doesn't run out of blades. I, mm-hmm. I'd rather be in a gunfight than a knife fight uh, any day of the week. You know, I can stop that that um, cylinder from rotating on a, on a uh, old um, uh, revolver. revolver. Yeah. They're not going to get a shot off if I can get that cylinder in time. A, a knife is just a, a, a lose, losing proposition. So when you hear about these shootings where some guy with a knife was attacking, it's one thing if he's just standing there and you got 20 feet, you know, plus yeah. distance in, you know, you know, excuse me, 20 yards, you know, that's, that's, one thing and you know you have you know, the ability to assess and back and back and back and so forth until someone else is in danger and then you're you're forced but no cop wakes up and says i want right. to get in a shooting today it just you don't <laughs> you don't yeah yeah boy i really hope that i could shoot somebody and yeah I could, yeah and and I, could I haven't be, test out the gun i don't know if it yeah, works <laughs> and i could be second guessed for exactly for my family can be years. in trouble i could be sued yeah, yeah. And what I a, what a fun day at the court. park. Yeah, you know, that would be <laughs> awesome if I could start my day like that. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I hear you. There's there's unfortunately a lot of ignorance out there. Just shoot them in the leg. It well, is. All right. It Anyhow, is. Don't even Misgu- don't- so, sometimes they're misguided. Uh, sometimes they're disingenuous and they have an agenda. It's, again, we see peaks and valleys. We will get over this. This We will see the calm after this storm. It will happen. There's more good people than bad people out there uh there's more people that truly get it and now you're hearing more and more strong um endorsement of police uh than probably before because of the the loud noise yeah yeah i i truly believe if we could get past the emotion um and uh we we had a guest on here one of the earlier shows that talked about the fact that you you can't you can't fight emotion with logic. And if we could just get past the emotion for just a second and say, all right, you know, even say I'm pissed off for whatever reason. And I realize that I accept it. And now I want to talk about what we can do 
to change things. I think that you know, it, somewhere in all of this crud, we have an awesome opportunity to really, to really make some serious changes. I think that community yeah. policing makes a lot of sense. I think that, you know, as you would know better than I would, um, some of the best stories that I heard um, were police officers working within the community where nobody got arrested and you know, nobody got shot. Nobody, nobody was even taken into custody or, in, or, or back to, to the precinct. Yeah, things were handled because, you know, yeah, my windows keep getting broken in my van over here, you know, behind my grocery store. I don't know what's going on. And the police officer that understands the community says, no, I understand exactly what's happened. Let me take yeah. care of it. And yeah. yeah, go ahead. When it comes to community-based policing it is the cornerstone of police work. It's a catchphrase. It's probably overused. Uh, but it's no difference than you know, the old school walking a beat, knowing your beat, yeah. knowing, you know, the, the, the bad as well as the good, knowing who to go to to find out some intelligence, keeping them safe, keeping them anonymous, i.e. crime stoppers, and taking that intel. And, that, and then in the you know, 21st century, we take it to another level with um, all the cameras, and now we have facial recognition. Yeah. You know, you saw how quickly we caught the uh, Boston Marathon bombers based on that technology. Uh, it's easier to solve a crime with a million set of eyes looking at a photo than is one cop hitting the hitting the beat with his you know so yeah it, we're doing really good police work uh, you know uh having worked again from the 80s into 2014 mm. when i retired i saw a lot of vast improvement and when people talk about reform police work is all about reform day in day out because we revolve around the community we serve because it is the community we serve we're part of that community so community-based policing is all those aspects not just some funny nice little program that you know somebody throws up you know and, and likes the sound of the acronym yeah. it's just that old-fashioned police work knowing your beat being part of the community and, and we that's what police work is day in day out and it will go back to that once the dust settles with this the problem with this is that when you have this noise you have 100 days of protests and i use protests with air quotes in in portland the police yeah. aren't doing police work they're babysitting a protest line and as much as i i absolutely you know Having been in the military, defend anyone's right to free speech and to have a, a say. And if there's ever a time that someone wanted to say something of importance was during George Floyd. Uh, mm -hmm. That was horrific. And, um, and I've lived during the Rodney King riots and, yeah. and that aspect. So, I get, you know, all good cops understand the, the right to protest. And we're defending your right to do that. So why are you spitting on me? I have nothing to do with George Floyd. I have nothing to do with yeah. these other things that you believe, and rightfully so with the George Floyd case, um, were horrific. And people take advantage. There's people political that is disingenuous. They're just using it. They're weaponizing a horrible incident. They're exploiting it for their own gain. And it's a shame, but it will end. I really believe that. We've seen these peaks and valleys. We saw it in the 70s. I had friends that were in the 70s that were always getting shot at by mm -hmm. uh, the um, Black Panther movement and so forth. So, uh, you know, we've seen this in law enforcement and we will survive this. We really will. And to your point, uh, is that dialogue and mm -hmm. keep, keeping that dialogue open. There's that saying, uh, there's no uh, arguing with a drunk. And right now, when people are angry, they're kind of like that drunk mentality where 
they're not listening, they're yelling. And as soon as they start listening and we can have that dialogue and as long as we're willing to listen ourselves to understand uh, where they're coming from because you know, I don't live in the inner city. You know, I know in 30 years of experience with Phoenix Police Department, I saw zero, zero, literally racial incidences, not mm -hmm. one. I've seen heavy handedness. Uh, George Floyd was an example of that. That was street justice played out, I believe. Right. Um, but I think once calmer heads prevail to your point uh, and we have a discussion, I think good things can happen. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Darren. And to it being somewhat the king of the segue going into your, your podcast, you, you mentioned all the cameras and things that we have available now to solve crimes and, and, and help uh, the policing. Uh, I think, too, that part of the, whether you want to call it healing or just simply making a connection and engagement is is using the new media, which is podcasts. You know, people uh, realize that first responders are just human beings. You know, they're just they're just they're just folks that want to go home to to their families like everybody else. Um, and it, and I think it does play a role in in humanizing the badge a little bit, as uh, some of us say. Uh, and your podcast is even called Badge Boys. It, it debuted in January of 2019. Um, talk about the podcast. Is it tied to the book in any way? Uh, I'm assuming that you still bring that dark and twisted humor to that podcast like you did to the book. <laughs> uh, and I, trust me, I will definitely go down that road here in a second. To your first opening, talking about if there's ever a time we need to hear from police officers retired because as police officers, we can't talk You're you're um, you know, subject to discipline and, and you can't go down that road. Um, you're yeah. So you don't have a voice, but as a retiree you do. And I agree with you. We need more police podcasts uh, on my podcast. I'll have people on and I'll say, you need to start your own podcast. We need more voices, not less. This is not a competition thing. This is not a, you know, holding our, our toys. So no one else plays sort of thing. This is what we need more officers, not less talking. And when you talk about a podcast, anyone can have it from the, the high end studio like you have. And I have with uh, badge boys. I'm very fortunate. Um, but just, uh, you know, an uh, old school um, street cop to a uh, seasoned homicide veteran talking about their perspective and, you know, not just preaching to the choir, which is, right. is beautiful. I mean, we definitely, you know, have a, a demographic that likes the show, but talking and educating about real police work. And like you said, humanizing the badge, humanizing what we do and why we do and how our passion, every career cop. Um, you know, not the cops that come and go, you know, maybe with a year or two on. I can't speak to that. But every single career cop has a passion and love for this job. And it's self-evident when they talk. You can hear it in their voice. You hear it in their passion. Uh, it's, and when they retire, it's not a light switch. It doesn't go off. So to that end, I was very fortunate. I did radios like I talked about, did radio shows and TV and so forth as the Crime Stopper Sergeant from 2009 to 2014. And when I left, I wrote the book and we had this legend in the Valley by the name of Dave Pratt. And as I say his name, I smile because he's one of those uh, DJs that just, he was just a legend. He was funny, he was hilarious. He was uh, 
back in the eighties and nineties when you could be yourself and <laughs> there was no political <laughs> correctness. Right. Was politically incorrect human being on the planet and just a great guy, huge following. And so I went to him about the book. I was wondering if he would endorse it. He did. He's a great guy. He endorsed my book, loved the book, uh, which helped a lot. That also helped promote the book. Again, you know, I'm very subtle with my promotions. Yeah, I and, noticed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so hey, if I can get somebody like Dave Pratt, who's known not just in the Valley and in, in Arizona, but known, um, he was with Howard Stern back in the day. So, you know, he, he's name recognition. And so, after endorsing my book, a year went by, and there was a gentleman by the name of Jason Schechterly, and I call him the heart of our show. 100%, he is the heart of our show. He was uh, horrifically burned in a police vehicle um, collision where a taxi cab driver having a seizure going 100 miles plus rammed into the back of him. The uh, vehicle blew up. Uh, there was litigation involving the, the Ford Crown um, Vix at the time because of it, uh, the the um, gas tanks had that propensity to explode, right. um, and he was horrifically, horrifically um, burnt uh, from his head down to his navel, horribly disfigured. Could not be a more beautiful human being on the planet, uh, and so. Dave thought, you know, I take this guy who does radio. Uh, we both have a face for radio. We don't have a face for TV. <laughs> <laughs> so we put them together and see what happens. And it's been, it's been you know, um, uh, a beautiful marriage. You know, we bring yeah. different aspects. You know, he, his career was sadly short, short, shortened because of this, this horrific, tragic event. Uh, mine had 30 years. He ended up going to homicide and assisting homicide investigations at the end of his mind is really geared towards sex crimes. Uh, even on the political spectrum, you know, you know, I'm more of a moderate, he's more of a conservative. Um, I'm moderate conservative probably, you know, <laughs> any moderate would hear me and say, that's not moderate. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, we, so we, we have been doing this show for two years now. We've had people on that have survived the um, North tower on 9-11, uh, seeing the second plane impact or feeling it, I should say, more than seeing it, you know, mm -hmm. seeing the, the effect on the, the, their sister um, twin tower and trying to come down 34 flights, giving us a, literally a second by minute, step-by-step um, -step, um, harrowing, Count, harrowing yeah. encounter. Uh, you know, just one great guest after another, uh, lots of cops, Sometimes criminals uh, have them come on. We've even had a defense attorney. We had Jody Aris's uh, defense attorney, and I love the guy. I've learned more from defense attorneys than I have prosecutors because Probably, they will yeah. tell you what they're looking to mess you up on on the stand. So we've had a lot of great guests. It's called Badge Boys. Again, it's at a high-end studio. Um, at, it's, it's called Star worldwidenetworks.com if you went to starworldwidenetworks.com you can see all the different shows on this network but if you want to just you know google and i guess that's a, a term because i'm an old man who doesn't understand the <laughs> internet uh but if you want to google you know use any search engine at your this your command uh you can um go badge boys and find our shows and we have over 100 well close to 100 shows i guess by now which is probably nothing to you but you know that's a big deal to us we're at that you know triple you know we're no longer you know two digit midget we have triple number we got 100 uh but it's a great show it is about building bridges with the community yeah. there's times where we'll me and jason will disagree politely respectfully we understand we're both coming from a, a place of the heart 
that we believe it. So why, why is there to argue about? You know, when you look yeah. at back in the past and you look at like someone like Reagan and Tippy O'Neill, where, you know, he had the, the, the opposition party and the president loving each other. You know what I mean? Um, why can't we do that again? Because we, we all love this country. Those who don't, yeah, then hell with you. But those who <laughs> love the country and want to do better, then yeah, let, let's, we can, compromise is not a four-letter word. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear you, my friend. And uh, yeah, I saw, I did find your podcast on Apple Podcasts. Oh, excellent. That, that's definitely an easy way to find it. Um, love what you're saying on compromise. I hope that we can actually get there. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hope, yeah. hope, hopefully before I retire, which I don't. Yeah. In 2021, we'll look at it in uh, 2020 hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be hindsight. Would that be nice? E exactly. Exactly. Well, I could, I could talk to you for another half an hour, but, uh, before we wrap this up, I really want to know what is the craziest law enforcement story you could share, whether it's from your career or one of your partners or what you heard on your show? What's the craziest story? You know, again, it, sadly, it's my own stories because as I, I'm hoping one day I'll meet someone that has a more twisted, demented, <laughs> morbid story than mine. I really do. I, then I can go to them for counseling. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the one in the first book that people – sometimes can't even read it gets that bad uh as a sex crime detective uh, there's not a lot of male victims and uh, not that there isn't male victims it, it does happen mm -hmm. especially when the pedophile world where you have a yeah. female teacher and, and male students and, and that's a crime um but there was one case that uh i i get get a call to hospital and the suspect and victim are both there both having some type of surgery done they're both in extreme pain the suspect and the victim and so as a detective I, I now go to the scene and try to figure out this mess and so the story will go chronologically but to kind of shoot to the punchline as it yeah. were what happened is poor and we'll call him sam because i i always say that i want to protect the anonymity right. of the victims and i want to embarrass the suspects so i give them also <laughs> pseudonyms you know like little dick or something yeah <laughs> and so with uh, poor sam he was a good samaritan so i called him sam sam gets a phone call and his neighbor saying i need your help i'm in dire trouble and sam saying hey i'll call 911 and and the guy's like no 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 and they barely know each other it's one of these things where you know the neighbor by enough by you do a head nod when you take out the garbage yeah. you know that's all they know so he was shocked he even had his phone number and so the guy's screaming on the phone like i need your help desperately desperately please come to the house and it, unfortunately for sam he doesn't think better of it and he decides <laughs> to be a good samaritan and he goes over he doesn't call 911. he walks in that house is unlocked he walks in he goes into the uh, garage and there is his neighbor bent over the um workbench naked with his pants down to his ankles with a beer bottle sticking out of his butt it's a uh, a long neck bud bottle, by the way. Mm. Uh, so and it's stuck. <laughs> so so it, it wasn't was... like a red stripe that was. No, short. Okay. exactly. Where just you know like maybe if you fart you might get it out. No, yeah. not at all. This is in this is in for the duration. Yeah. And because he's been tugging on this thing, he's created this vacuum. Now, granted, that's science, but you know instead of thinking it through, you know poor Sam ends up getting talked into pulling this beer bottle out of his butt and he can't do it because it's a suction and the more he screams the louder it gets and the whole thing about the time window was he didn't 
the guy with the, uh, we'll call him Bud, with the beer bottle in his ass, uh, <laughs> Bud is screaming bloody murder, and poor Sam is pulling. They don't hear the family car coming up the driveway, and Bud has a family. In fact, on, on leave is his big Marine son, and the big Marine son comes in and sees somebody sexually assaulting dad with a beer bottle and beats <laughs> the living shit out of him. Uh -huh. So these are the type of stories, and that's just one example. I, I can't say that's the most <laughs> twisted, but it's just one of the examples of the stories that's in the book. Uh, and again, that's the first book. The second book's even more twisted. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, you know, go out and just buy the damn book. <laughs> <laughs> twisted but true. Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, they all have it. You can go to twistedbuttrue.com. But yeah, and, and again, the proceeds on our first book all go to the Crime Stoppers program. Um, I wrote the second book, and I was going to start to figure out what, you know, nonprofit, so portion of it goes. But uh, in order to save my marriage, uh, <laughs> half the proceeds come to me. So I can't say that anymore. Got it. <laughs> yeah, Got or it. to the wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, I can keep talking to you, but I know you got other things to do. But uh, Darren, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I had so much fun with you. Honor and the pleasure was all mine, my friend. <laughs> no, pleasure's all mine because it always is on this show because we always have great guests like Darren. Uh, make sure you check out Badge Boys. You can easily you. find that podcast on Apple Podcasts. Um, take a look at Twisted But True. Uh, buy, you know, it's Christmas is coming up. So thank you. Buy, you know, buy like 18 copies. Everybody uh, wants a beer and a butt story. They do. Exactly. Absolutely. It's a perfect father's day gift as well exactly you know give it give it to your father-in-law you know especially if you don't like him that much you know you <laughs> yeah. may not be as fortunate as i am to actually <laughs> like your in-laws uh but darren thank you again and thank you to all of you who have either watched or listened to this episode of public safety talk radio and we will be with you next week with another great episode take care Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.